Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to be having a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm your other host, Adam Pranica. Adam, I'm having a green drink to celebrate this episode. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What you drinking? I'm drinking some uh, VEP chartreuse, the fancy stuff. Whoa! Yeah, a friend got me that for my birthday this last year. One of the one of the kingliest gifts I have ever received. That's a nice gift. My wife really likes chartreuse, and uh, I've had my eye on that bottle for a while. I know it won't be spoiling the surprise because she's not listening to the show. <laughs> I feel like she used to listen. What happened? I think she has transitioned into a on in the background for solidarity like for for wifely support sort of mm-hmm. thing, but I don't think she truly actively listens. I could say anything well, at, right now, Ben. At least your wife supports you, Adam. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a sad joke tag. My my wife is proud that I've found some dumb thing to keep myself entertained, but uh, doesn't doesn't care to take her interest in it past that. Anything to keep your mitts off of her? <laughs> Ben, we got some mail lately. Oh, really? You're always getting the mail, but this time I got one. Yay. You want to hear about it? Let's uh, lay it on me, brother. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Came in a very official-looking priority mail envelope. Do Uh, not bend, it screams. And I didn't. (laughs) I did not bend it. All the way from Paducah, Kentucky. Letter goes like this. Bottoms up. Hope my drinking game catches on. Greatest Gen is such a delight to listen to. Keep up the awesome work. Stay funny and thirsty. From Brittany Brown, a.k.a. Shitty fan art, data's love child, drinking game girl. (laughs) <laughs> Brittany Brown is the one who came up with the drinking game that's on Facebook. Yeah. That, that a bunch of people piled onto. The game that'll get you killed. <laughs> and she is included in with her letter a very fun picture of the both as of this us. Game, as this game catches on, our download numbers just start to, <laughs> to fall off until <laughs> nobody listening. What happened? We've, we've experienced a parasitic loss of listeners <laughs> that we can't explain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a nice uh, nice picture in here, too, that she drew of the both of us. And we, oh. are, we are both looking like very fancy lads. I said this to her, I believe, on the Twitters, and I'll say it again on the air. Uh, maybe my favorite likeness of myself. Yeah, I saw this picture. This is a this is a really nicely nicely done pic. Yeah, yeah I showed know, this to my wife, and I was like, "Hey, you think I should grow my beard back?" And she said, "No, sir." <laughs> That's a great likeness and everything, but uh, I have to live with it. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, well, Brittany. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brittany. Super sweet. That's great. Paducah, well, Kentucky, perhaps not on the East Coast tour list. Though, uh, we may be getting 
to nearby environs. Yeah, is Kentucky technically considered an East Coast state or a Midwest state or what? Wow, I've always considered it East Coast, but I guess now that I think about it, I guess it depends on if uh, if Paducah is in the shaft or the base of the state of Kentucky. I, mm-hmm. I don't know where that is. I'd well, have to do Adam, research. shaft or base, it's all KY. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a state that's big enough, <laughs> big enough to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thanks for sending that in, Brittany. I think we should be close enough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard that we'll be close enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think we'll be seeing you later on in the summer. Well, speaking of things that are big, Ben, we got a great mm. big episode here. We do indeed. Great big episode with a great big thing in it. It's season six, episode four. Relics. Adam, the entrepreneur is picking up a distress signal from a ship that went missing 75 years ago. It is from the USS Janolan. It's like a bus, right? It's like a. <laughs> it's, it's not like a starship. It's like it a. It looks like a, a BART car. That's <laughs> derailed yeah. and it really got out there. It's been missing for 75 years and. They're entering this system, and they get a banger dropped on them, and they're like, what the fuck? What's dropping bangers on us? And Data's looking at his instruments, and he's like, well, look at this. There's some kind of gravitational field on us. What could that be? And uh, they start looking around. They, uh, they They get it up on... They get the center of the gravitational field up on the FaceTime, and it's just this gray ball in space yeah it really looks creepy one of the most arresting images that we've gotten so far on on trek yeah data throws out that like uh the its massive gravity has obscured the sensors and that's why they didn't pick it up but holy shit it's enormous like it seems like it would be a huge problem out there it's it is enormous adam they say that it's got the diameter of earth's orbit around the sun it's fucking huge. I am a big, bright, shining star. How many things have run into this thing accidentally? Like, besides the Janolan, you'd think it would be pockmarked with ships. Hmm. Or like asteroids or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that said, it's a... So it's it's a thing called a Dyson Sphere. Could this be a Dyson Sphere? Which is a... Not something that Star Trek invented. It's like a... Freeman Dyson concept, and this is like a kind of a fanciful version of what a Dyson sphere would be. I think the original concept of a Dyson sphere was that it was like lots of space stations, essentially. Yeah, not not like one solid shell. A lot of space stations lose suction, mm. like in the middle of the process, and this one appears to be like a fully realized version uh, with cyclonic action. Yeah, it will never lose suction. It sucked the genolin right in. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, like like a like a real planet and not Pluto, it has cleared its orbit. Is what I'm saying. So maybe they maybe like the people that ha- were advanced enough to build this thing, like got rid of all the crap in the in the system that would have hit it. It sure seems like whoever built this were like 
super technologically advanced. Like right. the it would have taken many months to build this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that the I kind of have like a vague memory of reading about this like this concept. Um, I think the the idea that Dyson had was that it was like like a a species can be graded in its technological proficiency based on how much of the sun's energy it's capturing. And by the time you've captured a hundred percent of your sun's energy, you're basically like unthinkably technically advanced. So that's the idea here. This is like a alien species that's stupendously advanced from a technological standpoint, I guess. Now, when you're building a Dyson sphere, (laughs) you're going to want to use it to harness the entirety of the sun's energy. I like to build a Dyson sphere no smaller than the equivalent of five million Earths. <laughs> We're building our Dyson sphere using triple-paned, <laughs> triple-paned windows that, that have nitrogen gas in between the panes. Some people use argon. We're using nitrogen. <laughs> as long as you're using an inert gas, it'll keep the cold out and the warmth in. You'll lower your heat bill for generations. <laughs> yeah. There, there is so much fun to be had with a setup like this. And the show pivots almost immediately into character, right? Yeah. It gets away from the sci-fi part pretty fast here. Right. So they, they uh, beam a little, little dustbuster detachment down to the Janolan and they're like poking around on the ship and it's like, it's pretty beat up and the, you know, the air, the air seems stale. And the only thing that's really working is a transporter system. And what they discover is that there's something in the pattern buffer, which I guess is unusual for a offline ship. And, uh, they go ahead and like turn the knob and a, there's a great like throwback sound effect of, you know, Kirk era transporter, and who should appear on the pad but Montgomery Scott? They actually went into the studio archives and got mastered versions of the sound and the sparkles for this. Like they totally really? recomped the old analog files. Cool. Which That's is part great. of the reason it sounds fucking fantastic. It doesn't sound like someone playing it through a computer monitor and then recording it <laughs> off of that. Like it sounds great. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah, that is like I didn't watch TOS like ever really. Like I've watched, yeah. you know, some episodes on Netflix or whatever, but the um the sound is somehow like super nostalgic for me, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, it gives you the good chills. It's the real Scotty, like in the flesh. Yeah, Jimmy D. Ben, did I ever tell you that I went to high school with one of his kids? No. Yeah, and here's the thing: like, I can't be certain that that's the truth. <laughs> I can, I can only tell you what this guy said. I went to high school with Tommy Dewan, <laughs> who said that he was James Dewan's son. And I know that uh, that James spent 
a bunch of his retirement like in the Northwest, in the Seattle area. So it was credible enough at the time. Sure. But I was not friends with this classmate. I had just heard about it, and like yeah. the nerd in me was 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 woke to that knowledge. Like, <laughs> like I like I wasn't trying to be friends with him for it, but I definitely recall like wanting to know as much as possible. Like, wouldn't he make a great commencement speaker? Like, wouldn't he? <laughs> Like, why doesn't he, he should come to sporting events. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, <laughs> like I, I kept looking for him at school events, never saw him. Yeah. Don't know if what I was told was the truth or not. But, I mean, and here's, here's another thing, too. Like, I can't really find this guy on the Google. Weird. So I'm wondering if this was, uh, if this was a false flag operation. Mm. By a guy, by a guy using Star Trek to be cool in high school, Ben, and that's that's a thing that I know nothing about. There was a fancy hotel with a really nice like tennis club and pool attached to it uh, that like some of my friends were members of when I was in high school, and uh-huh. you know, like their families had like tennis club memberships and so they could go in and like use the use the pool and whatnot Mm -hmm. and uh i had a friend who got in by telling the the lady at the desk that his father owned the claremont hotel (laughs) and uh he just had enough chutzpah that she she was like oh oh my apologies go right in you're you're john claremont (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) welcome (laughs) yeah so this is a big surprise, and it's a big, like, smash two title sequence moment. He looks hurt and dirty, too. Like, Yeah, he's got, he's like, he's like torn his outer jacket and uh, made a sling out of it. He's wearing that era's turtleneck, though, which is just yeah. great. Fucking love that turtleneck. Yeah, and, and I like when he gets cleaned up later. He like doesn't go to like a civ- <laughs> civilian costume. He just has like a clean version of his retro costume. We are deprived of the scene at the replicator where he's he's choosing his clothing <laughs> to the uh, to the Walking on Sunshine song. <laughs> Hello, computer. Jordy, Jordy's sitting on the uh, on the settee yeah. with his arms crossed, and he like shakes his head. No, no, no. He comes out in the like the brown engineering lackey uniform, the Shimoda uniform. No, he can't have that. Can't wear that Shimoda. That's a special uni. And then he comes out in the original, and he's like, "All right, yeah, that would have been fun." I feel like Starfleet is the kind of organization that confronts time travel often enough that there should be some procedures in place for reintegrating. I mean, like, they had the fucking crew of the Bozeman yeah. last season. Like, those those guys are from the exact same era as this Scotty character. And, like, there should be some kind of procedures in place for, like, okay, this guy technically carries the rank of captain in Starfleet. Like, he's he was on his way to retirement, but he's not retired, so... Like, does he, is he, like, in Starfleet? Can he, like, boss everybody but Picard around? Is he, like, what's the deal? Like, shouldn't there be some kind of, some kind of, like, stuff that kicks in? You br- That's a great point, because they sort of play it both ways, right? They treat him casually enough. They treat him with the casualness of someone who's gone through 
space-time problems with people before <laughs> without any of the backfill administration of, like, needing to give him the Bozeman treatment, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, like, that's where the rubber meets the world-building road, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. like that is that is completing the circle on the storytell and and it's it's a little shallow, right? Yeah. It's a I little mean, superficial. It's so I mean like that is all in all shallow in service of getting to a storyline that they get to as quickly as they possibly can, which yep. is Scotty is being kind of brushed under this under the rug, brushed aside, like Picard comes down and gives to Six Bay and gives him a very perfunctory like welcome to the entrepreneur. Uh, I'm really eager to like chat you up, but I got to go back to work. Uh, Jordy's got to go back to work. Four. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, on the Lido deck. There's a free soft swirl ice cream machine. Yeah, 24 hours a day. But uh, you know, Jordy's going back to work. I'm going back to work. You're you're going to your quarters and having a nap. He just sort of gets left behind almost immediately, but, like, it's a rescue mission, and they rescued him, so I don't know what he was expecting. I guess, like, I don't know. The other thing that is kind of there for a moment and then never really readdressed is that there was another guy in the buffer yeah. that they lost. So he's, he's dealing with the loss of, like, a, a crewmate or whatever. He was a good lad. And that's... That is, like, I think after minute, like, seven of this episode, that never comes up again. It would have been fun if part of his pattern was attached to uh, Scotty's <laughs> pattern. <laughs> He's just got a single middle finger, like, growing out of his cheek <laughs> that Beverly has to scalpel off. Did I ever tell you about finger face? <laughs> is that a real question? This is a thing that, like, in my childhood, I have a vivid memory of being in the waiting room at my pediatrician's office, and there being another kid there with a finger, like, fingers growing out of either side of his mouth, like a catfish. What? Like, just, like, two fingers, like, on, like one on either side of his mouth. And it's, like, it's one of those things where I, like, think back on it, I, like, I can think, I can remember, like, a lot of details about this kid and, like, the, you know, like... The fact that his mom and sister were there with him and that, like, he looked really, like, sad and that he had two fingers growing out of his face. And I cannot, I, I cannot for sure decide whether I made this up or if it really happened to me. Was he talking backwards and an Angelo Badalamenti musical score playing? Because this all sounds very David Lynchy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, that's, that's an interesting take on it that I haven't heard before. I mean, I told that story to my friends in college and, uh, what it, what it devolved into was us calling each other finger face bro and putting a finger out from the side of our cheek and walking up to each other and like diddling each other's fingers. <laughs> Kids are so mean. <laughs> Speaking of mean, Jordy cannot, has no patience for this guy. Yeah. Like, Scotty comes to engineering and just starts hitting buttons. Like, <laughs> hitting buttons and asking questions. Just the frequency stabilization of the main deflector dish. It's out Lenny, of sync with you the need absence. to phase lock the work fields within 3%, or they'll become unstable. Jordy is like, God damn it, man. I'm just trying to work. Yeah. You ever well, have a like, relative visit you at work, like, and it's just, 
like unannounced and disruptive. I feel like we have like the kind of career where if we had like a like a relative that got out before the digital res- revolution but worked in film, yeah. would be like like don't leave that that compartment open. You'll flash the film. Like, right. <laughs> like Uncle Jeff, <laughs> we're shooting digital. There's no concerns about overexposing anything. No, no, no. We, we just keep shooting. This is video where we, we shoot and shoot and then we deal with it later. Scotty has, like, and, and he says this to Jordy. He's like, he's got decades of, of warp core hours under his belt and uh, he has, like, he has like enough context to know what all the terminology is, but not enough to know that like, Oh, like this, this thing was changed, you know, 30 years ago. And now we like recrystallize the dilithium within the chamber or whatever. He's telling everyone with an earshot that he's been working on these things so long. W slash R slash T diapers, W slash R slash T grandparents. <laughs> w slash R slash T twinkles in dad's eyes. Right. Yeah. He's and you know that's great, Scotty. But like the time served thing, like I don't. I doubt you were in the transporter buffer, like getting better at engineering. Look, I don't know what you guys put into my cryo slush, but when I thought out, the first thing I wanted to do was knit. The time element of his argument doesn't mean anything. He's just old. <laughs> like, what career could you even think of where you could like step away from it for? three quarters of a century and come back and even expect to know what the fuck is going on, you know? Like yeah. cobbler? <laughs> is that like the one? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, I'm struggling to think of one. Any, anything that's not a, like, a force of personality job, like, right. like politics or social work or, yeah. or anything else. Like, you could you could sell you could sell land in Florida to the Glengarry Leeds, but yeah, you probably couldn't cobble a shoe because everybody walks around on those weird marshmallow shoes now. He really wants to work a lot for a guy who was on his he was on that trip like on his way to an old folks' home. Like he's right. ready to retire. Yeah, I mean, and I I guess I mean. I, that that feels plausible to me. Like this this episode starts real rough and like around the halfway mark turns around and starts getting better and better in my p- opinion. Yeah. And like I I believe that part of wanting to work because like I think about like him being on that on that cruise to the retirement colony and like having an emergency arise where he has to come up with like a crazy you know, Montgomery Scott solution to the problem of like, we don't have enough supplies to last us until the rescue ship comes. And that just like reigniting the fucking pilot switch in him. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That, that seems plausible. So in his era, you don't bum out by looking out a window or leaning against a wall. You go down to the bar and you do some drinking. Scott, neat. You get hella faded. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what he's there to do. There is a 
resting facial expression that Jimmy Dewan has that is just like so pleasant. Like he walks into 10 forward just, I mean, he has just been scorched by Jordy, but he's a man walking into a bar who is excited about being in a bar. He sure is. He looks right at home. Yeah, and like he's having a he's having a hang with Data. You're not quite uh, human, are you? He's like, what's this crap? <laughs> give me something. <laughs> give me some real booze. So Data goes behind the bar and gets yeah. a gets a a bottle of Cuervo Gold that has been poured out and then filled up with Ecto Cooler. <laughs> it is green. Ben, I was thinking, can anyone just go behind the bar? Don't they know there's a gun back there? I feel like Data probably gets special dispensation from Guinan. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Data worked behind that bar not too long ago either. So he knows where stuff is. Yeah. I mean, he worked behind that bar under false pretenses, but that's probably because Guinan thought her job on the ship was diddle this bean. (laughs) God, I bet Data's drinks were awesome. Either that (laughs) or they were awful, right? Well, he can do that one where, where you flick it and it turns different colors. So that's... That's pretty impressive. I guess it's no surprise that Guinan's good at the flicking beverages. <laughs> <laughs> so this is real booze. It's not synthahol. There was some very interesting headcanon here, or canon canon, I guess, where <laughs> Data says that you can like you can like turn off the boozy effects of synthahol. I didn't I didn't realize that. Like that kind of ruins a lot of jokes that we've made. I always assumed that synthahol had no effects. Well, he's saying that it can get you drunk, but then when you like don't want to be drunk anymore, you can like shrug it off. It simulates the appearance, taste, and smell of alcohol, but the intoxicating effects can be easily dismissed. That just seems like a lot of fun, and that's a moment that I want to see also. Like yeah. I want to I want to see someone go from completely shithoused <laughs> to like straightening their tie. Right. And and going right at, right to work. That'd be right, fun. Right, because for all the times we saw Pulaski knocking him back and then run off to Six Bay or Jordy knocking him back and run off to engineering, we never saw the moment of them, like, stopping slurring. Yeah. That would have been good. Ben, they have the weirdest transition here. So Data pours him a green shot, and he shoots it, and he's like, oh, this green stuff's great. Hit me with another. Data pours, and then they do a full dip to black, and then fade up. Yeah. I don't remember ever seeing that on this show. Is that dip to black a dip to commercial? No. I don't think it is. Are you sure? Dip to commercials come with music. They usually do, but I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's that's one thing that is really weird about rewatching this show 25 or 30 years later or whatever is like... Uh, we don't really know like when the fucking Tylenol commercials <laughs> yeah. would start some of the time. Like obviously like a lot of the time you get Riker eyes or Warf eyes to commercial, but uh, I interpreted that as a throw to commercial, but I, I honestly like couldn't say certainly one way or the other. Either it's an act break or it's the rare throw to commercial without music at all. And that yeah. felt very incongruent. Mm-hmm. My love is a peanut longing tail for that which longer nurses the disease. We come back and he's like, he's like beating 
a program into the <laughs> into the holodeck and uh Ten Forward's a sort of place that lets you take the bottle out of the bar, which is <laughs> pretty permissive. I, I think I was listening to the Flophouse and uh, Stuart was talking about how, like, in movies, it's like a fairly common thing for somebody to sit down at a bar and get a, get a like, a whiskey shot poured for them and say, leave the bottle. <laughs> and he was talking about, like, what do you, like, what do you charge somebody for that? Yeah, like $800. Yeah, what do you charge for the guy that, like, takes the special bottle of green shit that the captain bought for the head bartender and then somebody else gave to you? <laughs> yeah, that's sort of bad form by data. That's, like, that's got to be, like, a cargo bay full of scarves kind of a situation, right? Ben, I've made the mistake of leaving the gift whiskey out, like, during a party. Oh. And... It hurts, man. It hurts to see the gift whiskey bandied about with your group of assholes <laughs> not enjoying it the way it should be, just getting yeah. totally pounded right in front of you. And you can't be the jerk that asks for the gift whiskey back so you can hide it in the back of the liquor shelf again. Like, you just got to watch it go down. Yeah, you, they're having their diet, diet Dr. Pepper and Pappy Van Winkles. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like ugh. Totally, totally besmirching the quality of the whiskey. <laughs> well, Picard is actually pretty cool about this because he he comes down and like uh, Jimmy D has has uh, set up a Enterprise one seven zero one no A no B no C no D uh, bridge for himself. This was a weird. A weird moment because when he walks in i was like oh like he is he's like they got like a shot of it from the old show and this is a comp like he's walking in to a green screen like i totally thought i was looking at the green screen and then like he interacts with all of the parts of the set like they really built this set it looks great it looks and amazing and the nostalgia works. Like, the entire mise-en-scene is in play. It's the look and the sound and the feel and all of it. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea. Like, the idea of of Trek continuity is, is so fun to see Picard in this room in his 24th century uniform. Like, like... Scotty looks a little out of place in his movie caliber uniform, you know? But, like, like the idea, like, oh, yeah, this is what it used to look like, for real. It's so fucking 60s. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's kind of what they did with, uh, with Rouge One, right? Like, they gave everybody the crazy, like, 70s facial hair and, yeah. and haircuts and everything, like... Like, this immediately precedes A New Hope, and therefore everybody's going to look like the weirdos from the 70s in A New Hope. Yeah. It's fun in a nostalgic way, and it's fun to have them both interact on that bridge. Scotty starts lamenting his his lack of purpose, and he's yeah. pouring shots for Picard, and Picard is just fucking slugging giant shots back. <laughs> yeah. I have... So much respect for the way Picard like plays this scene. For a long time, I thought like, how old am I when I watched this episode? Like twelve or something? 
And like for a long time, I thought that's what drinking was like a giant glass of booze and then swallowing it all in one go. Like, <laughs> and Picard just fucking takes it. Yeah. Beef stew with the big shots. So Scotty's confiding in him. He's like, I am sort of a man without a mission. All my friends are dead. Not that I've asked about them or anything, but I'm just assuming. Picard's, and they just sort of like, they talk like two neighbors in the driveway reminiscing about the cars they used to own. Like, it would have been cool if Picard had been like, oh, you know, like Spock is still around, but uh, he's on Romulus last we heard. <laughs> yeah. And like we had McCoy here a couple years ago, but yee, I, I, I don't think you'd recognize him. <laughs> a lot of burlap. These yeah. days. Looking pretty rough. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm uh breaking my own rule here, Adam. I've uh I've got some trivia here. The original Enterprise scene was made by comping some parts of it. Part of it is blue screen and part of it is stuff they built. They kinda like built the foreground and comped the background. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's great. It's really well done. Yeah, I mean, you see the comp in the entry and exit from the holodeck, but while he's yeah. on it, it looks really good, and all of the, uh, all of the, all of the matting is great. Yeah, like, like you, it, they're really tight. Right, and uh, that's not easy to do. I mean, I think that like the thing that the thing that's really smart about it is that they put the background in soft focus. Yep, which a lot of composite artists fuck up for some reason yeah like i've been watching old episodes of seinfeld lately and every time they're in the back of the cab that you know like the driver is in soft focus yeah. jerry's in in his like tack sharp the like back windowsill is in soft focus and then the street that they're driving through is tack sharp it, like yeah. it makes yeah. no sense yeah it's very true the uh the driving scenes don't hold up but Damn it if the rest of that show doesn't. It's uh, yeah. it's still really great. It's still very funny. I mean They tried like, to take it off syndication in Seattle. Like they're like, really? We're gonna we're gonna start playing two broke girls at ten PM on our local subsidiary station. You know and what I say to that, Adam? Fe The response was so loud and <laughs> so angry, it forced them to put Seinfeld back on. Yeah. Which, as they should. How dare you? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There's some, uh, there's some fairly brazen homophobia and uh, more than a few episodes that are pretty racist. But yeah. uh, generally speaking, it holds up as a monument to comedy. Agreed. I am the cute as a ball. You will assist us. I am the cute as a ball. Picard pulls, like, Picard, like, grabs Jordy by the shoulder, and he's like, listen, dude, you're a, you're a chief engineer. He's a chief engineer. I know you're having a tough time getting along with the guy. I'm asking you to do me a personal favor. Take him over to that ship and, like, I don't know, download the computer core or something. Go find his old records or whatever. <laughs> and Jordy's like, all right, that's cool. Like, I can I can get down with that. So they send Jordy and Scotty to the ship to fuck around over there. And meanwhile, the Enterprise D is doing a bunch of 
of sort of charting of the exterior of the Dyson sphere. Yeah. They find a doorbell. They push that doorbell, Adam, and like any creepy old house in any television show or movie, they enter and then the door slams behind them. It's a real fun effect. Yeah. Like, like, of course... The effects in this episode are great. It's interesting seeing, like, a a concave geography. Yeah. It's sort of a real head fuck. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's like, it's... It's super well done. It's super cool. Like you can see, like the cities and the the streams where like the cities gave give way to the fields, and like you're thinking about this thing that's like got the surface area of millions and millions of Earths, and the idea that it was like full of people and mountains and places to go. You know, it's like it's such a it's such a great sci-fi idea. It has really got a smell, though, because you're in a totally <laughs> enclosed space with trillions and trillions of dead people being slowly heated by an about-to-nova sun. Like, yeah. Ee, not good. I'm surprised when the door opened, like, it wasn't just a cloud of gas. <laughs> so it's a problem when the Enterprise enters the Dyson Sphere because... Uh, their energy does not interact with the Dyson Sphere energy that well, so they get kind of rocked on the way in, and their inertia pushes them towards the center, and that's where the sun is. That's not what you want, Adam. No. That sun is super, super solar-y. <laughs> Getting lots of flares. Why don't they use that tractor beam grappling hook? That's what I was thinking. Like, grapple onto the side of the Dyson Sphere on the inside. That's not a bad idea. Right? I could be captain. I think I see one of my card signees, uh, Tracy Coco as Lieutenant J in uh, in one of these scenes. Oh, yeah? I don't know if she's credited, though. This is like an extra. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll never know the answer to that little mystery, Adam. Um, so, yeah, like the, the the fun and games for the rest of this is like, you know, like the the Janolan, the the ship that Scotty was was on when it crashed, is gonna like go hold open the door while the entrepreneur makes its daring escape. But you know, it's 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 like not even really about that. It's about like Jordy and Scotty, like like building a an esteem and then a rapport with each other. Yeah, and and. Uh, it's really well done. Like the like the effects are great. The the suspense that they build is really exciting. And by the time the entrepreneur escapes and Jordy and and uh, and Scotty like get beamed back and they're like walking down the hallway slapping each other on the back. They're like good buddies. You yeah. know? It's so good. In the way that it takes a life-threatening situation to forge a bond between people who previously don't like each other like mm-hmm. they uh they're war buddies now yeah they're total war buddies and like and oh man like the the shots of the ship like escaping like going going for the uh you know like flipping it 90 degrees so that they can get through the closing doors they hit that three-wheel motion yeah the and uh the ship looks great so close to that star yeah like, they really lit it really well I thought it was interesting to me, like, 
Jordy and Scotty are on the Gentleman, and the most terrifying thing in the world happens, which is Jordy hits his comm badge and it doesn't go anywhere because the Enterprise is gone. Like, how scary is that to be on a wrecked ship on on the surface of the Dyson Sphere? Want, like, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go home now. Yeah, and you know that this just, thing is good for saving 50% of the people you put into the, uh, yeah. into the transporter. Yeah, his odds aren't great. <laughs> Data's like, oh, I wish I'd been there. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty pitches Jordy the idea of using the gentleman as a doorstop. Yeah. Holding the door open. And Jordy is really willing to do this idea at no point do they think about uh sending a a distress call i guess when you are the enterprise or the enterprise crew you don't call for distress you're willing to sacrifice your own life to form a solution and that's what they did yeah these guys are the no time for backup crew yeah for real like these are the two greatest right like yeah like the like the two best of that have ever done it i have spent my whole life trying to figure out crazy ways of doing things. I'm telling you, as one engineer to another, I can do this. All right, let's do it. I want to see the episode where Scotty goes to Romulus to hang out with Spock. (laughs) (laughs) A wee bit of the Romulan ale. And he is just, like, real uncomfortable. (laughs) You call that soup? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Laddie, I was making soup when you were a twinkle in your father's eyes. So the button on the episode is back slaps, high fives, and the chips ending. It's great. Yeah, they're like, hey. Scotty's back. We think you're great. Here's a previa. (laughs) Enjoy. Yeah. What do you think is the is the value of that Previa? It's a pretty great gift. Yeah. They got a big Lexus commercial bow on it. It's the season of savings, Ben. Yeah. There's nothing better than a uh than a Previa for Christmas. <laughs> and God, like we never see him again. It sucks. Yeah. It's too bad. I'm sure there's like a thousand pocketbook novelizations of of the continuing adventures of Montgomery Scott and his Winnebago. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, there be- are. He basically becomes Lone Star. Yeah. The Scottford Files. <laughs> He's just solving minor crime. <laughs> minor crime on minor planets. Oh, man. <laughs> Can somebody from a fucking comic book company that has the license to the TNG rights please fucking get in touch with us? That is, that's the thing I want to do most, is make really weird comic book stories in this universe. We could do it. Did you like this episode, Adam? Yeah, I mean, it's an easy yes. I think it just, the real question is, how much do you like it? And, like, I... I don't think it's mountain worthy for me, but it was it was really great. It's a lot of great scenes that make up a really great story. It's a it's an especially Star Trekky story, you know. Yeah, which it's is, a which very is, Star Trekky story, which which is satisfying. I know to both of us. I love how low the stakes are. Like it's technically an existential threat to the ship, but they might manage to make a story about 
two characters building a friendship that uses threat to the ship as B story and make it like, make me not want the B story to be the A story. Mm. Like, which I think is an achievement. And yeah, I don't know. Like I was thinking this might be a mountain worthy episode before we watched it. And like in the first, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes of watching it, I was like, Oh man, it's really not mountain worthy, but it really redeems itself by the end. And I, I don't know that it like quite gets back to mountain level, but uh, it's so fun to see, like, like Doohan is fucking chewing up some scenery in this episode. It started, it started rough, dude, because Jimmy D was doing like SNL style cue card reading on his walk through the corridor with Jordy. Like, yeah, I didn't he, like, think he saved it for the he saved it for the uh, for the back nine. Yeah, he really did. It started rough, but he really pulled it out of the out of the junk like yeah. admirably just a just such a lovable character and performance mm-hmm. you know what i love ben what do you love adam going into the not so distant past checking our <laughs> p1 messages oh i love p1s priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship Adam, we have a couple of Priority One messages here. Our first one is from Raz, and it's to Plavim. Oh, these guys. <laughs> these guys you... almost got us in a lot of trouble. It's it's Fort Lauderdale, Raz, and Plavim. <laughs> these guys well, are like uh, Howard Stern's uh, whack packers for, <laughs> for our show. <laughs> here's, our, uh, here's our message, Adam. Shaka, when the walls fell. Jordy, when Leah Brahms found him on the holodeck. Plavim, when he asked a Croatian girl if she spoke English, and she replied, not at this hour. <laughs> Ooh. Picard to Wesley in episode 118. Shimoda with the Isolinear chips. Plavim, when he got married and had a baby girl. Plavim and Raz on The Greatest Generation. Those Croats don't brook that weak game that's for sure <laughs> yeah you you gotta come you gotta come Riker style with the Croats you gotta have some eastern block game <laughs> if you wanna be getting those digits Raz yeah. and Plavim maybe you come Worf style yeah yeah that's what I think <laughs> do we have another uh, another uh, V1 Adam we certainly do Ben it is a personal pan priority one message from Raz to Plavim. Again? Yeah, evidently, <laughs> evidently, uh, getting a cell phone plan is <laughs> is somehow less is somehow more costly than sending us P ones. <laughs> the message goes like this: In case you don't understand, Tamarian, total failure. That was super creepy, dude. I am seriously embarrassed for you. Now I have to give you a stern lecture about not being a douche. You should probably stay away from computers when you're drunk. Somehow your stupidity ended well because it has now raised $400 for this fine podcast. <laughs> That's just right. They've, they've dropped a lot of coin on P1s. Yeah. Well, they've got their priorities somewhat in order, I'm going to say. 
I mean, I'm really going through the seven stages of Raz and Plavim right now. Because initially, <laughs> initially, uh, not super likable, but I gotta say they're growing on me. <laughs> they're starting to pull it out. Yeah, like this episode, Adam. They are. They 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 came off kind of bad at the beginning, but now it's uh, it's getting more and more endearing. Like some problematic Seinfeld episodes, like. Uh, like the greater the greater volume of work here is yeah. is what we're judging and not the individual missteps. I mean, you could say the same thing about Star Trek The Next Generation, Adam. If you would like to send a Priority One message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message, 200 for a commercial message. Big help in the production of this program. Thank you. We're, we're talking to you, Raz and Plavim, specifically. <laughs> yeah, do you guys have any commercial messages you want to sling back and forth at each other? <laughs> Raz and Plavim's nightclub. <laughs> One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. 
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? I did. Uh, We totally missed talking about this moment. Um, But there's a scene where an ensign is showing Scotty, like, how to use the the replicator and whatnot. And uh, (laughs) he was like... I, ca- I called him Ensign Hospitality in my notes because it's like, I, I kind of believe he was in the hospitality major at Starfleet Academy. Like, <laughs> he's almost, he's almost there as like concierge and bellman. He looked like one of the Flanders kids to me. <laughs> <laughs> like the asymmetrical, vaguely ginger haircut, the uh, yeah. the little bit squeaky voice. Yeah. <laughs> Real I just fun. Love, I, I love the idea that there's a guy on board that deals with putting somebody in a room when nobody else wants to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's really what's happened here. Uh, Scotty should be a visiting dignitary, and sh- he should be given the Riker treatment with respect right. to uh, the replicators and such. But yeah. Instead, he gets Ensign Hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. I wonder if he has a signed card. He seems like the kind of person that would have a signed card. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. One can only hope. <laughs> How about yourself? Did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? Yeah, I mean, a a titular drunk Shimoda is who he is. It's Scotty himself, the morning after, just getting shithouse drunk. <laughs> like, street animal drunk with Captain Picard in the holodeck. <laughs> yeah, like, they really tie it on. And like what we what we don't see is Picard's morning after, which yeah. would be super fun. <laughs> Instead, we just see we see Scotty showing up for work forty minutes late, like sort of limp walking into yeah. the transporter, like a guy who's fallen down a few times the night before. I think they could have made no other changes and moved this episode safely into mountain territory. If the reason the Enterprise got sucked into the hole was because Picard was like yeah. not didn't have his wits about him, his clock radio is beeping to wake him up, and he is just like <laughs> too passed out to hear it. He's in the that other room. That would have been so amazing. <laughs> he's sleeping on the couch instead of the bed, and that's why he doesn't hear it. Yeah, he like wakes up. He's got like drool on his on his uh, on his one shirt, so he has to switch into action jacket. It almost it also made me think like what happens if you barf mid transport? Because because he also looks vaguely nauseous. Yeah. Like ah, uh, does that go with you? <laughs> it's got to go with you. Ugh. Gross. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode five. 
Shizums. <laughs> Commander Riker's inability to fall asleep begins to show in other members of the crew in other forms, putting the entrepreneur on the trail of a mystery. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Is this the episode where he's in an insane asylum? Is that is that this one, or is that a different one I'm confusing it with? I think that's a different one. I kind of think that's like a, maybe a season seven. Yeah. I, I don't uh, know. I, I don't really remember this being a plot line, so... Can I tell you something? I'm ready, me, brother. I'm ready for Riker again. I want a Riker episode, and we're going to yeah. get one. Okay. So no, no veto for you. Hell no. No veto for me. Give me all that Riker. <laughs> all right. Let's In. do it. Let's do it, Daddy-O. All right. Deal. If you, uh, if you think our show's been a good deal for you, <laughs> you can chat us up on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Ben's there as at Benjamin R. A-H-R. Ongoing support of the show can still be done. It's after Pledge Drive. A very successful pledge drive for us, Ben. But uh, if you feel like supporting the show on an ongoing basis, you can do that over at MaximumFun.org slash donate. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we love that stuff. Go to uh, MaxFunStore.com for the swag. Uh, go to gach.biz uh, slash mail if you want to get on our mailing list. Uh, tour announcements will be going out pretty soon, I imagine. So you're going to want to get on that mailing list because that's, that's who's going to hear about it first. Right. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea for a lot of other music on the program. It's true. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that might be all Uxbridge as far as we know. It also might be zero Uxbridge. Given, yeah, that, would, given his, that would be a real shame. Given his difficulty with that word. <laughs> yeah. I must destroy all retainers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm hitting stop. Yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.